and then send it to the internet! Hello, and welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your source for Cobra Kai recaps, analysis, and items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. Okay, not just Cobra Kai, though. The Karate Kid, too. That's true, but not, not just... Not just the Karate Kid, too. All the Karate Kid movies. Except the Jackie Chan reboot. Well, that's fair, but I mean, maybe one day. The, the maybe two, one day. The, the Chaniverse... No, wait. I mean, look, we're going to have to... Not to skip too far ahead with our show, but... At some point, we're going to have to fill some time between Cobra Kai seasons... I think it's inevitable that we'll have to do that one. Anyway, I'm Jenny Carlson. I'm Colin Canaday. We are thrilled to be back here with you after a very long hiatus. That's true. We did take something of an unexpected hiatus because we had to move across the country. Well, only one of us moved across the country. The good news is that now we're in the same place. Right. So production will be much easier because we're in the same place, in the same time zone. And that proved surprisingly difficult as things heightened up with our preparations to move me from New York back to Texas. There were episodes that we recorded over the last year or so where we were in two different locations, but through the magic of editing, you could never guess which ones are the ones we recorded in the same place and which ones we recorded remotely. Certainly not. Anyways. Anyway. Moving forward, today we're here with... Episode two of season two of mm-hmm. Cobra Kai. Yeah, we're back in the saddle again, as they say. Yippee-ki-yay, yeah. we'll go our way. Right See, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Cobra Kai is back, and we're back. Cobra Kai's back, baby! Yeah, and uh, Johnny and Miguel are back, and they're back in black, and we're back in black. Exactly. So let's kick it off with we today's are, episode. We are actually both wearing black. I mean, that's not a coincidence. I didn't plan that. No, I didn't plan it either. We're linked. Of course. Through the power of the Miyagi-verse. Through the power of the Miyagi-verse. So shall we... We should, yes. We're going to dive in, right? We're diving in. All right, here we go with Cobra Kai, Season 2, Episode 2, Back Back in in Black. So, we're opening on a good old-fashioned Cobra Kai montage. Yeah. Good old-fashioned Karate Kid montage. Actually, it looks like we're going into a Breaking Bad episode. That's true. Because it opens on two dudes in suits that looks like they could be mixing meth, and they're pouring Mm -hmm. something that looks like blue paint. So this is obviously a a little bitty homage to the Crystal Blue Persuasion montage in Breaking Bad. I I can't help but think that there might be a coincidence there. But yeah, you're not watching a a Breaking Bad rerun or even a Better Call Saul. We're definitely in Cobra Kai because the next thing we see are Johnny and Miguel starting their day. Well, the reason that they're mixing the paint is because... They're repainting the car. They're repainting the red Challenger that Johnny got from Daniel in the last season. So what we're seeing now is a montage as Johnny and Miguel get ready to go in for the day. Um, Johnny's challenger is being repainted. So that blue Mm -hmm. was just one of many layers of color that went into dyeing or painting the Cobra Kai mobile black and then adding yellow Cobra-like stripes. Yeah, some yellow Cobra stripes. 
My favorite touch was they removed the modern Challenger's radio and replaced it with a 70s style AM FM cassette deck. My favorite touch is that the car has lights that look yellow like cobra eyes. So even during the daytime, the car looks like a cobra lunging at you. And we see that Johnny and Miguel are each coming out of their apartments at the same time in their Ray-Ban looking sunglasses and they fist bump, are too cool for school, are buzzing down the street in the Cobra Kai mobile. Our boys are as cool as hell and uh, once they reach a stop, they see two fine ladies in the car next to them. They pull in, there are ladies checking them out, whereas in the last season, Johnny couldn't get anyone to look at him. Now he and Miguel... Don't even cast those ladies a second glance because they are going to, in Johnny's words, Oh, look, play cool. Just be cool. Just be cool. Everybody be cool. You be cool. Meanwhile, the show cuts to Robbie's apartment where he lives with his mom, Shannon, and he's napping on the couch when he hears someone coming in his front door. The interloper says, get the stuff. You know, that in a dark apartment leads Robbie to believe an intruder, a robber, and so he jumps that dude. Well, he, I think, is expecting retribution from his former fellow thieves coming Mm -hmm. to get some payback. But instead, though he attacks the guy, it turns out he is just some dude who's there with Robbie's mom, Shannon, who's like, it's all good. It's fine. This is Rick, and he's flying me to Cabo. Well, Cabo adjacent. Rick's played by Matt Mangum here. Rick is basically the kind of guy that we fear Robbie may turn into if if he goes back to the dark side. Robbie is concerned about the bills. He's concerned about practical things. Like the rent. Like the rent. Uh, His mom reassures him that everything will be fine without providing any specifics. Huge red flags there. Indeed. Uh, Robbie then threatens Rick. You hurt her? Next time you won't get up. I find it very odd that Rick fails to get the point of the threat when he just got the shit kicked out of him. Exactly. Rick's like, ooh. Robbie doesn't believe for a second that Rick is going to pay the rent like Shannon promises, and so he's pretty mad, right? Oh, for sure. In fact, he's pretty salty when we next see him when, at Miyagi-Do. When we segue to Miyagi-Do, Robbie is punching the shit out of a punching bag while Daniel is inside looking at the long line of Miyagi-Do sensei, the pictures over the years, and he's hanging up an interesting movie still of uh-huh. Pat Morita's Mr. Miyagi not really looking at the camera and a very tight shot. Yeah, and he like proudly puts that on the wall and is clearly thinking about his place in this larger lineage. He wants a place on the Wall of Fame, which will be pretty easy to do since it's the Wall of Fame he installed himself. Indeed. Meanwhile, Sam is pulling up in her car and she sees Aisha calling her and she's happy because she wants to rekindle that relationship. So she answers the phone only to find that Miguel has swiped Aisha's phone. That's not creepy at all. No. Yeah, so he tries to convince Sam that he's sorry and that, you know, can they just you know, figure this out, and Sam is not having any of it, and she's like, I can't talk right now. Can you just tell Aisha to call me back? Robbie overhears it, and Sam's like, ugh, and she's like, I thought it was Aisha. Robbie's like, you can talk to whoever you want. Still kind of glowering. Right, exactly. It's an interesting place to start the quote-unquote first day of school at Miyagi-Do. We've got Sam annoyed at Miguel's continued harassment. We've got Robbie salty about the stuff that he's going through. We've got Daniel coming in from a place of doubt, and you know he's not very self-assured right now. And so together, the three of them jump right in with the first lesson. And what is this first lesson? We see Daniel carrying a big bag of some white powder... Um, <laughs> but it's not what you think. Yeah, it's not the Terry Silver special. No, it's not. I know. 
this is not an 80s movie. It's probably just flour. He's stabbing it with something, and he's using it to trace a circle of white powder out on the driveway of Mr. Miyagi's house. And this is where he's going to teach Robbie and Sam the wheel technique. Yeah, the wheel technique. The newest secret Miyagi-Do technique guaranteed to grant victory to its users. So we had the crane kick. We had the drum technique, and now we have the wheel. I'm not sure if Daniel has called it the wheel yet, but it's definitely round, and those two kids are getting in that circle. Mm-hmm. And they're bowing to start their practice. Meanwhile, back at Cobra Kai, we see the two new kids on the block. Chris, played by Khalil Everidge, and Mitch, played by Aiden Minx, getting hazed. What do you think? Shithead one and shithead two. By Aisha and Hawk. I was thinking more Mary-Kate and asshat. <laughs> and Miguel walks up. Just, you know, it's unclear at this moment if everyone's going to keep being mean to them. But right now, Aisha and Hawk are definitely enjoying making fun of them. And Miguel comes over and is kind of like... Guys, look, they're just messing with you. Taking the edge off it a little bit to let them feel welcome, even though he joins in too. Besides, everyone knows your names are assface and douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile... We see other new kids hanging out, and who comes in but John Kreese. That's right. While Johnny's in his office taking some odd phone calls, Kreese enters and is kind of disgusted at the state of this crop of students. Miguel approaches him, uh, kind of like the mater d' of Cobra Kai, and he's like, Have you been helped, sir? And it's Kreese who says, No. But maybe I can help you. That's right. It's a nice little wink to the idea that maybe Miguel is Kreese's secret son. But um, I think that, <laughs> yeah, that was one of those fun fanfic ideas that I've seen floating around out there. But Johnny is not thrilled to see Kreese because he's like, What the hell is wrong with you? I said tomorrow. Kreese is already flipping the script on Johnny by coming in at a time they didn't plan. Kreese is one of those guys. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile. So Kreese is like, uh, Tomorrow, today, <laughs> who can keep track of? Huh? Yeah, he didn't look that confused when he was glowering at that kid's future as female t-shirt a minute ago. Yeah, he's already insinuating himself into the situation. Exactly. So now we go back to Miyagi-Do, where Robbie and Sam are trying to go around this wheel. And they have moves, but they're not in sync. Uh, Neither of them are feeling it. Neither of them are really taking it seriously. Sam quips. At what point do we do the hokey pokey and turn ourselves around? She's like, how exactly are we supposed to do that? The Force. So it's kind of great to see these kids using one 80s franchise to mock another 80s franchise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Daniel's still trying to get them to get it together when he gets a text message. And lo, the text message is Amanda. That's right. Amanda has a work emergency for Daniel, but we'll have to come back to that in a minute because we've got to get back to the Cobra Kai dojo and figure out how this first lesson with Crease is going. So Johnny has the kids all lined up and he's going to have Miguel warm them up. But before that, he introduces them all to someone he'd like them to meet, Mr. Crease. That's right. So very strong laugh line when we saw that in the premiere. Crease is kind of skulking in the background as is his want. Johnny has Miguel warm the class up. And it starts out pretty straightforward, but then, like all millennials, Miguel has the entire class dab in the middle of their kata. (laughs) Much to Johnny's chagrin, it's not a good look in front of uh, Kreese, who obviously wants to take all of this very deadly seriously. Yeah, we see at that moment that Johnny really actually does care what Kreese thinks because he's embarrassed by the fact that Miguel wasn't serious. And Aisha keeps laughing, and Johnny's like, It's so funny, Miss Robinson. And she's like, 
sorry, Sensei. You just wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. understand. And then he's like, try me. It's a snake do. <laughs> yeah, and Johnny's like, what's a snake do? And then all the kids raise their hand and make little cobra sounds. Crease looks out and out disgusted. Go ahead! 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. Corner of Fulton and Raymer. You don't show, and you're off the team. Johnny is doesn't know it, but he's already played kind of into Crease's hands because he cares what Crease thinks, and he's yelling at his students in front of Crease. He's lost his cool. He's losing control of his situation, so in order to take it back, he he flips the script on everybody. He cuts class early. Johnny is reasserting his dominance, or so he thinks. Meanwhile, back at LaRusso Auto, Amanda's telling Daniel that their business isn't going to be in trouble if they don't hit quota because Tom Cole is wiping out their sales staff and they can't keep up. They have to sell 10 more cars. Well, Daniel is obviously itching to get back to Miyagi-Do, even after Amanda kind of... She knows that Daniel's infatuated with his new project. Daniel insists that they can hit quota today if they really try hard enough. So after some razzing from Amanda that... But I thought balance was your thing. (laughs) Daniel busts out his car selling suit and they get right to work in another classic Karate Kid style montage where the two of them are adorable as they team up selling cars to all these various people. It's so great because Courtney Hangler and Ralph Macchio have fantastic chemistry but we haven't actually gotten to see them have scenes where it's just them doing their thing and so here we see that and they also get in some great riffs on Ralph Macchio living with the fame of the Karate Kid his whole life as all these customers want him to do Daniel LaRusso's crane kick. Oh yeah, that's the best. He's Uh, willing to do it to sell cars, so it looks like a Comic-Con photo op line. It's the Karate Kid! Yo man, do that crane shit! The thing about this montage and this beat that's so great is that when they introduced the idea that Daniel was going to do Miyagi-Do this season, you know that was going to cause some friction in his relationships, mm-hmm. specifically with his relationship with Amanda. They could have easily started turning the screws on that right away and have her be annoyed with Daniel right away. But at this point, she gets it. She's like, I know you want to get back to Miyagi-Do. I know how much important it is to you. And so instead of getting driven apart by this challenge, they kind of get drawn together and it leads to this great seen in the back of the dealership in the service bay where they're sharing some champagne celebrating their victory uh spoiler alert they do hit quota and amanda's being very encouraging here it's great because they're there together and now that they're able to talk daniel starts confiding how he feels about you know not knowing if it's going to work out because he's not mr miyagi like mr miyagi had so many tricks to teach him how to do it and amanda says you don't have to be mr miyagi You just have to be Mr. LaRusso. And that's the moment that the lightning strikes and the penny drops because Daniel looks outside into the service area and there he sees a wheel falling on the ground where someone puts it and it bounces back and forth from side to side. And that's where he realizes how he's going to teach the kids the wheel technique. Aha, Daniel says. I see. It's it's one of those lovely little aha moments. And so we'll come back to the wheel technique in a minute. Let's head back over to the next day at the construction site where Johnny has all the Cobras out uh, mixing some concrete. Yeah, this is at the corner of Fulton and Raymer, which I looked on Google Maps, and it is an industrial zone that could conceivably include this site. There's also a transformer station there. Autobots, transform and roll out. Johnny's got these kids carrying bags of cement, mixing it in wheelbarrows. Crease is explaining to Johnny that this 
isn't enough to make the kids afraid, but Johnny says, You will be. Yoda style, kind uh-huh. of. And at that moment, here comes the Panorama City cement truck driven by Cutter, Johnny's pal, who's worried about the kids being there, but Johnny's like, do you want your bar tab paid off or not? So Johnny's using what's available to him. Yeah, his pal Cutter tells him that... Uh, you get caught, you take the heat. And then, of course, all the Cobras kind of look ominously over at the cement mixer, still wondering what Johnny has in mind. Meanwhile, at Robbie's house, there is nothing in the refrigerator. He's got the lights off, I guess, to save power. He's got nothing but a little bit of milk. And then what little lights there were still on, including the light in the fridge, go out because now the power is officially out. And he goes over and flicks the switch, and he's looking mad in the low light. He knows that his mom didn't pay the bills, and neither did Rick. No, of course Rick didn't pay the bills. Come on. So he Um, stalks into Miyagi-Do with the same angry look on his face. He's back at Miyagi-Do, salty once again. Sam is kind of into it, doing the wheel in the chalk circle, but Robbie's not interested at all, so... They go to the backyard where Daniel has moved the bonsai trees bonsai tree. that he and Robbie placed on the deck in the middle of the pond. And now he's telling the kids that he's you know, really got the, the technique they're going to use to learn how to do the wheel. It looks like Daniel has converted the pond sculpture that Mr. Miyagi designed into a Double Dare style obstacle course. On your mark, get set, go! Yes, it's Double Dare! Oh my god. For the kids. It's a legit physical challenge. Yeah, exactly. But rather than find the flag, the kids are going to have to use the platform in the middle of the pond to use the wheel technique. Daniel insists that using the floating platform will allow them to feel each other move even without looking at each other. The kids are both a little freaked out about this and not entirely convinced that getting on a slick moving surface in the middle of a pond of water is a good idea and there are a few lily pads in the water and some koi no doubt you can't see the bottom which is a little creepy and they're already half drenched getting up on the top of the deck and they do not know what they're doing but daniel can tell that this is going to help them find their balance hey come on down to miyagi Do. it's all about balance it's all about balance um (laughs) that should have been his commercial no one would have come yeah we're not quite there yet so they give it a try they it looks like things are going okay but they lose it on the first kick well they go a couple of rounds like just doing the basic moves and it's so cute the way daniel's engaged with them and they're engaged with each other because now they're serious right now they're plugged in Mm -hmm. and this is the first time we've seen sam and robbie be on the same page emotionally as well in a long time at least this season but when they kick yeah robbie goes down and then sam goes down because without one the other can't stand up straight daniel makes them get back up again they get knocked down but they get up again and they're never gonna keep them down Meanwhile, back at the construction site, looks like Johnny has the cement mixer, and as opposed to Miyagi Do, it looks like Johnny's gonna go super sloppy double dare on the Cobra Kai kids. And super sloppy double dare! As he instructs them that they are going to climb inside the cement mixer in a complicated metaphor. Johnny tells the students that a champion can either move forward or get stuck where they are like the cement. And do they want that to happen to them? And of course, they don't. Once they see what's going to happen to them by getting into the cement truck, they're protesting. Sensei, this seems kind of dangerous. I mean, the fumes alone. That's when Kreese steps in to set them straight. Quiet! Look at all of you. I can't believe this pathetic pack of pussies competed in the All Valley. 
And let alone one. The kids aren't taking Johnny seriously until they get this additional Crease pep talk. Because Crease explains that Johnny took them to the mountaintop. He's the best there ever was in Cobra Kai. Of course, the kids are also impressed. The, the skulking, dour-faced stranger that's been creeping in the back of their class is their sensei's sensei. He said he would know because he was Johnny's sensei. There is a moment where the penny drops... And we also see Crease becoming a little more of a swaggerer than he has been up to this point. Johnny actually seems grateful for Crease's recognition, but he's off to the side while Crease is talking to these kids. So there's something happening there in the dynamic where Crease begins speaking for Johnny, and Johnny, I think, is watching it happen, not realizing what that means. I mean, he does look a little pensive. It's a, another great example of William Zagka really doing the work and showing us everything he's feeling with just a couple of looks. Like, yeah. he's a very good nonverbal actor, for yeah. sure. Of course, the first kid to consent to go in is Miguel. Um, some great cinematography here where we see Miguel just his face at first reacting to what he sees and then a wider shot from inside the cement truck as we see the cement waiting to be moved and Miguel slips down and falls then Hawk is behind him coming in then we cut back to Miyagi-Do where as the music swells Robbie and Sam are beginning to sort of balance each other out they're figuring it out. Meanwhile, Hawk and Miguel are sort of getting it together, and the other two new kids have come in as well, and Johnny's there at the opening, yelling at them. As the music starts to swell, it becomes clear that we're going to get our third proper Karate Kid-style montage of this episode alone. It, we're really getting our smorgasmorg of montages this week. The showrunners love a montage, and I love this music because I feel like I'm in a badass arcade game or some kind of 80s movie that is like highly optimized and hopeful. The kids are turning the cement truck back at the abandoned lot and Johnny and Kreese are looking on. Yeah, Kreese is like, you haven't done this before. Johnny replies, don't worry, I got this. Not encouraging, but the cement truck starts to turn. The kids are getting filthy inside, we see. They look like they're in a huge hamster wheel. Meanwhile, back at Miyagi-Do, Robbie and Sam are getting it together. We see as the cement truck begins to turn, so too do Sam and Robbie. Well, they're pretty much kicking ass until they yeah. fall in the water again. Well, I mean, Daniel's right there for them. Having done his due diligence at the dealership, he's telling his students... Okay, all right, come on, get back up. Don't be discouraged. You're getting better each time. I mean, let's be fair. This is a baptism, right? Baptism by water and baptism by cement. Indeed. They're being reborn. Whoa. Yeah. That's intense. But you're not wrong. Like, I think there is definitely... This is Cobra Kai at its strongest when we're paralleling the two schools. Their training techniques, their attitude, their whole thing is summed up right here in this very simple montage. There's a very almost sweet grin on Kreese's face as the cement truck turns and he looks like he has real pride in Johnny and at that moment I'm like man I bet Marty Cove would be really fun to hang out with mm -hmm. as Marty Cove not John Kreese. Anyway we cut to Johnny hosing off the kids telling them that I know I'm proud. The parents should be proud too. You told them what we did here today. Which we won't. But yeah, happily no one is going to need rabies shots like they did after Johnny's extreme training last season 
They're just a little dirty. Yeah, it looked like it worked. It worked for Miyagi-Do. It worked for Cobra Kai. It's a good day. Everybody wins today. Yeah, we see Johnny and Miguel getting back on the same page with one another again, as Johnny tells him. If you keep pushing, you'll go to places you never even dreamed of. Meanwhile, back at Miyagi-Do, Sam and Robbie are also proud and wet after their effort. (laughs) Yeah, Sam and Robbie are both happy. They're on the same page. Robbie's sorry about earlier, he says. My mom took off. I guess she missed some bills but I'll see you tomorrow. He's not asking Sam for help. He's just like trying to explain what his mood was. Yeah. But this leaves Sam in a more thoughtful state of mind. And then it cuts to Daniel, who's looking at the long row of Miyagi-Do senseis and saying aloud, maybe he'll earn himself a place on the wall yet. Again, the wall that he created, but you got to respect that kind of, uh, that's just, tells you the kind of earnestness that exists in Daniel's heart. It's creepy because it's an eerie evocation of young Daniel, and also Ralph Macchio doesn't really look much older than his teenage self, so I don't know how he does it. At any rate, his moment of pride is cut short when Sam walks in to say, Hey, Dad, do you have a second? In a line straight out of an after-school special, she asks him, Uh, how much do you know about Robbie's home life? We get a little inkling of Robbie's home life, which leads to our very next scene, which is Robbie's place where he's in the dark pouring himself cereal by lamplight. Yeah, and he hears a knock at the door, and it's Daniel, and Robbie's like, what are you doing here? And Daniel says, I could lie and say I was in the neighborhood, which is, of course, a callback to him lying about being in the neighborhood when he came to gloat at getting Johnny's rent raised last season. But Daniel tells Robbie it's all right and explains that, you know, we can tell that Daniel's going to take Robbie in for the night. Cut back to the LaRusso manse. Daniel is discussing the situation with Amanda. You know, Amanda does agree to let Robbie Fonzie himself right into the LaRusso manse. Amanda also says, He can stay here tonight, but if we're talking about long term, we're going to have to talk to his parents. Daniel's yeah. like, I tried his mom, and she's like, He has a father. Whoopsie. I know. So, yeah, Daniel's going to have to go uh, consult with Johnny, but where is Johnny? Johnny is at the Cobra Kai office, going through papers and listening to Kreese praise him for all of his efforts. Takes guts as a sensei to put your students through that. Johnny's like working hard. And I think playing it cool a little bit with Kreese, not wanting to let on that he at all cared what Kreese thought. Kreese, meanwhile, is trying to get Johnny to have a beer with him. And he's like, well, Kreese is suitably impressed that Johnny didn't kill his students. A a low bar, but still an achievement nonetheless. That achievement deserves a tall boy. Exactly. Kreese is like trying to cajole Johnny. He's like, well, you could walk me through tomorrow's lesson. And then Johnny goes, You're coming back tomorrow, huh? And just looks a little... A little pensive. A little pensive there. Not happy about that. Not necessarily unhappy, but not happy. Well, speaking of pensive moments, we've got the next scene over at Johnny's apartment. That's where Miguel lets himself into Johnny's apartment with his spare key. Johnny should normally be home by then, but, you know, yeah. Kreese has kept him at the office late. Well, it looks like Carmen may have whipped up some more of her plantain specialties because he explains to the empty apartment uh, because he's trying to call out for Johnny. He explains that he's brought some extra food. He's going to drop it in the fridge. His mom, do- He says his mom doesn't want Johnny to eat Slim Jims anymore for breakfast. Already dropping hints that Carmen has a special place in her heart for Johnny. Yeah, that's been my hope, so good for them. But the problem is that he has to go over to the fridge where that picture of Robbie from 2010 is sitting. A picture of Robbie in his 2010 soccer. Jun- junior soccer league uh, <laughs> kit, which is, of course, very perplexing for Miguel. Who says aloud, 
Robbie Keane? Robbie Keane? Dun, dun, dun. There's only one man I know who plays soccer in the valley. Lone Star! Oh, sorry. <laughs> Robbie Keane. Cut to, oh my God, we're at Nestor Mart. And there, played by Vas Sanchez, is Nestor. Nestor is back. Unfortunately, he has to deal with Crease, who apparently just dropped a, uh, some sort of slur on him because uh, he is not too happy at this moment. Yeah, whereas Johnny was just kind of your run-of-the-mill useless white dude to Nestor in the first episode last season. Now Nestor is being out-and-out harassed by Crease with Johnny there. But Nestor comes out and yells at Crease, not Johnny, but just at Crease. And Crease is like, It's called America, big boy. Love it or leave it. Because, of course... Crease would be that guy. Crease is never not that guy. And I love that Nestor is not going to go down without a fight. Like he's yelling at them as they walk away. And of course, Crease is telling Johnny how he's bashing Nestor as Johnny just says nothing. But then Johnny looks up and they both look up and see who's standing there. But Daniel LaRusso. That's right. Crease isn't done pissing off people today because once Daniel catches sight of Crease, he utters, Dead my ass. That's right. Daniel is pissed off and you know crease well what do you know the gang's all back together looks so satisfied that they can all be together again and he can gloat he can gloat although what is he gloating about the fact that mr miyagi is dead daniel gets back at him by talking about how your knuckles doing referring to the time that mr miyagi lured crease into smashing his knuckles through car windows and we can see that crease actually looks a little timid there in that moment Daniel asked Johnny, What's this all part of your, your new Cobra Kai, Johnny? These guys are so good at this. About, and of course, Kreese just tries to use that as ammo, putting his hand on Johnny's shoulder to say, Well, maybe you want to see a little bit more. Because this man's going to make Cobra Kai bigger, better than ever. And Johnny shrugs that off. Johnny's moved beyond that for now. I mean, he doesn't tell that to Daniel. He's just like, What are you even doing here? You know, all Daniel says to him is, I came to ask you a question. Daniel drops the whole Robbie thing once he sees that uh, Crease is back. So he drops the rather ominous warning that... You're both in for a rude awakening. And then uh, he uh, peels away in his Audi. And it's obvious that the showrunners wanted to give us this gift of setting it up. It's heightening that confrontation that Johnny and Daniel had in the second episode of season one by bringing them in again in the same place but in a vastly heightened circumstance. And we can see that Crease is just dying for Johnny to fight Daniel. If we're looking at season two as a movie, one continuous long movie, then this must be the inciting incident where Daniel sees that Crease is back. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. It's like while they're razzing each other, you know, the waver in Daniel's voice says it all about how disgusted he is at the fact that Crease has returned and could potentially have been pulling the strings behind Cobra Kai's return the whole time. Johnny just sees it as... You know, this guy's back. I didn't know it either. Exactly. So, like, that's it. And that's it for Cobra Kai Season 2, Episode 2, Back in Black. Wow. Wow, indeed. So what were you about to say about this final scene? Well, there's a lot of setup happening in this episode, and I remember we saw it twice. Actually, no, we've seen it many times. But we saw it once at the premiere, and then again when it aired... And it's a great cliffhanger for early in the season. When you watch it along with the other episodes, it feels like part of the set creation for what comes at the turning point in the season. But at this moment, the tension is huge. I mean, what's Miguel going to think about Robbie Keane and, and Johnny having his picture? What's going to happen now that Daniel has Robbie at his house? 
Mm-hmm. And and what is Johnny gonna do now that we see that he cares what Kreese thinks? Which of course we could have guessed, right? And who the hell is John Kreese? There's so many tantalizing possibilities still to come at this point. All we know is that there's opportunities for tension, right? There are opportunities for tension. It's not just negative tension, right? Like there's some kind of spark between Robbie and Sam. True. There's friendship and understanding and excitement about a new thing. Yeah. Um, We've still got to sort out Sam's relationship with Aisha. Exactly. And Sam's relationship with Miguel because... Even though she had good reason to leave him in the lurch last season, that's not how teen feelings go. You can't just cut off the way you feel. No. So, yeah, there's a lot happening here. I feel like they heighten things very quickly. So what are your thoughts, Colin? Uh, Like I said, I think that this is definitely kind of kicking things off with a bang. I can clearly see why they showed these two episodes back-to-back at the premiere, because they really kind of form a piece. They kind of reestablish. Again, if you're looking at these seasons as like long movies rather than individual episodes, then season two is like the sequel to season one in a lot of ways. To have a proper movie sequel, you kind of need to reestablish your main characters. You need to reestablish the threat. You need to kind of get everybody back on the same page so that then you can drop some dramatic bombs that are going to scatter everybody again, right? Yeah. So these two first episodes kind of form, they're setting the table again, uh, and then this thing that happens right at the end of the second episode is the first big explosive moment that's going to start sending people off in different directions. So, right, so this causes Daniel to kind of reconsider his, his Robbie stance and... He's not going to tell Johnny about Robbie. He's just going to let Robbie Fonzie himself up in the Miyagi-Do house for the rest of the season. And we'll just see what kind of fallout comes out of that decision. Yeah. Um, so Wait a second. Is Happy Days in the Miyagi-verse? I think we have established during the Karate Kid 2 episode that Happy Days could be in the Miyagi-verse because... That's uh, right. Yes. So do, do we think that... I'm sorry, this is not this episode, but do we think that Mr. Miyagi was posing as Arnold the whole time, perhaps because he was in the OSS after being in the 442nd? And there's no question in my mind that that's exactly what happened. It's the witness protection program. Right. Uh, I mean, if the entire Gary Marshall canon would then be connected to the Miyagi-verse. So Mork and Mindy, for example, uh, since Mork was on Happy Days and Mr. Miyagi was in Happy Days, then therefore Mork exists in the Cobra Kai world. Fair. Maybe after Cobra Kai's done, the, the big three will... Get started on that Mork and Mindy reboot. I mean, YouTube needs content, clearly. Getting back to Back in Black, I just (laughs) wanted to also say how great the acting was in this episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, the situations are ridiculous. We know that reality is stranger than fiction, but sometimes in a lesser show, people might not take themselves as seriously in ridiculous scenes like this. But I mean, I actually believe Daniel is mad as hell as he's peeling out of that parking lot with a Vape City sign over his Audi. These people are so grounded, and they've, especially the veteran leads, like they've lived with these characters for over 30 years, and it's something else. I really enjoy the way that the show gives us something that is true to the world, but isn't pandering to the quick and easy path. It's twisting all of our expectations yeah. in new ways. Even the Cobra Kai cast, like uh, Amanda is once again the scene between 
her and Daniel, you know, one of the better scenes this season, seeing them, you know, come together to sell those cars and meet Quota. That's a great moment that they have when Robbie tells Sam about his home situation. I was watching Mary Mauser's face and like you can see the gears turning in her head as Robbie's explaining these things to her. And uh, I think that, yeah, those performances also deserve a, a special call out. They really do. One thing that I really liked about this was that both Daniel and Johnny, in their choice of first lessons, lay out the challenges their characters will face over the season, right? Because, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, Daniel, well, we already saw in this episode, Daniel is going to have trouble maintaining his balance between the dojo and his life with Amanda and the dealership. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a spoiler, because once in episode one where Daniel explains balance that balance is, is my, my thing... thing yeah, you know that his balance is going to get upset this season. Exactly. And, and this is just like the, the the beginning. And Johnny, you know, his challenge, he says, you know, you can you can either get stuck in the cement or you can move forward. And Johnny's always tried to move forward, but in some ways he's been stuck in the cement all the same. Um, and Crease is there. You know, will Crease be a person who's also going to move forward or will he be stuck in the cement? It looks like he's pretty well stuck from the way that he treats Nestor as they're leaving the Nestor Mart. That's a great call out as well is like the choice of lesson is very telling can the senseis learn their own lessons because yeah you point out very i mean it's very clear that johnny literally did nothing with his life for nearly 20 to 30 years if the events of you know season one episode one are to be taken literally and you know daniel's first lesson is about balance when his whole life balance is being interrupted itself. So, yeah. And again, I just have to say, like, holy crap, John Kreese is, is one complicated dude. Like, who would have thought that an almost cartoonish villain from a movie 30-plus years ago could be so complicated now today? Like, he is both scheming and vulnerable in this episode. And I'm not necessarily surprised by that. It's cool to see the directions that, that this character can go insofar as he's getting under Johnny's skin. He's genuinely proud of Johnny at the same time. Like he's always on the make, but at this point he could still go either way. It's just obvious that he's not willing to be fully respectful of Johnny or it doesn't even enter his mind that he's disrespecting Johnny because he's so used to his own privilege, just dictating what happens. Yeah. Cool. Well, oh, I, what was your favorite Easter egg? What was my favorite Easter egg? In this, in this episode. We don't I mean, I love the idea that Daniel built a Hall of Fame wall in <laughs> the dojo that he himself aspires to be on one day. It's like... <laughs> Remember that probably one of those pictures is the guy who, who got drunk while fishing. His boat was blown to China, and there he picked up karate before returning to Okinawa. Truly big shoes to fill. Yeah. With absolutely. dynamite. Ex- boom. <laughs> What was your favorite Easter egg? Uh, it's it's just a Cobra Kai season one Easter egg. It's just that, that Daniel says, I could lie and say I was in the neighborhood. That Daniel, Daniel reflects on his actions. Yeah. You know, now that we're in season two, Cobra Kai is now referring back to itself as in addition to all the old movies. So I think we're going to see more of that this season as we kind of build on themes and ideas from season one, as well as themes and ideas from the Karate Kid movies. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I think that does it for Back in Black. And uh, 
We will see you next episode for... Fire and Ice. Season 2, Episode 3, Fire and Ice. Until then, I've been Colin Canaday. I'm Jenny Carlson. And we'll see you around the Miyagi-verse. See you around the Miyagi-verse. This podcast has been produced and hosted by Colin Canaday and Jenny Carlson. Our music is by Cheppo. You can find us at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter. And wherever you download podcasts.